You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, once again to the Oz Network as we continue on with our exclusive coverage of the television show Third Watch. We are in to the 18th episode of the fifth season. This one is called Purgatory. I feel like we're here talking about an episode of Lost, but we're talking about Third Watch. April the 9th, 2004. This one first aired. It was written by Charles Murray, directed by Mike Vajar, who I think might be our first time director for Third Watch at this point. Haven't uh, recalled reading his name out before, but uh, plenty to talk about in this episode, as per usual. My name is Ben, and I made a mistake. <laughs> I wonder what that mistake was. My name is Darvell, and go on, go back to your fireboys over there. They know who you are? Nah, I'm good. Uh, yes, this is the very first episode that Mike Vajar will direct of Third Watch, and the last episode of Third Watch he will direct, so a one-time director of Third Watch, interestingly enough, uh, and I'm just looking here, he has directed previous shows such as The X-Files, The Dead Zone, MacGyver, and Babylon 5, as well as Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Interesting that we kind of have a one-time director here so uh mike vajar welcome to third watch and farewell uh this episode is an episode uh i kind of feel like i'm in purgatory with this episode because it's sort of i don't know like i don't hate this episode i'm not going to say it's a ter- like an absolute trash worthy bin worthy episode but it's also not a very good episode either i don't know how you feel about this episode no it has its moments but um it it has its moments, yeah, but uh, not as power not not as powerful as say uh, Sleeping Dogs Lie or No More Forever or any of those. Yeah, I think kind of like we've had a few good weeks with this show, um, and obviously like what we mentioned last week that we've uh, bought seven episodes in a row. So even kind of the ones that necessarily aren't the big big episodes that we've had in the last few weeks still have been good enough to buy. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, like, I kind of think this episode title is, is very fitting of this one, because it's sort of, it is in between, sort of, what we're going to get moving forward right towards the end of the season, um, so, yeah, but, I mean, as I've mentioned a few times, the, the final few episodes of this season, to me at least, kind of do fade off a little bit to what we've had this season, and really start to lead into what we're going to get into season six, um, so, yeah, but anyway, this is a Sasha episode, pretty much, by the way, folks. Um, yep. and oh, go ahead. Oh, and, and to and to Nia Long's credit, you know she she definitely sells Sasha's feelings and struggles and all that throughout this episode. We will say that. Yeah, I'm sure. yeah, exactly. Like again, it's nothing against Sasha and nothing against um, Nia Long. Exactly. Like Nia Long's doing great with what she's got this episode, but I kind of think this just goes to show. Well, the type of character that she is in terms of the fact that we've said she's kind of just down the line, middle road cop, and I don't know, I don't think she's a strong enough character to be able to hold an episode, if I'm being completely honest, and I think this episode proves it. Again, I'm not saying this is a terrible episode, uh, so I'm sorry to all the Sasha fans out there who are kind of like, oh, you're shitting all over Monroe, but I just don't feel she's a strong enough character to be able to hold an episode, so... um this is kind of where we're going to go with this. So we've got Munro uh, at the beginning of this episode, I guess, uh, talking to a union rep and a captain. Uh, and it took me a little while to even realise what she's doing here because she, we heard, what, in the beginning of Family Ties 1 that she's taken a 30-day suspension after what happened with Doc. 
Um, mm-hmm. Which, you know, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, she should. But, like, it took me a while to realise that she's kind of appealing this decision, um, which she's... I mean, she's at least halfway through her, her 30 days here, isn't isn't she? Because they say to her, like, you've still yes. got a little while <laughs> left to go. Like, go and have a, you know, relax. Go out and have some time. So... I don't know, like, what what is the point of her even doing this now? Wouldn't she do this at the very beginning? Um, yeah, I don't get that either. Yeah, it just seems a little bit weird to me that all of a sudden she's deciding to do this at this very point. Um, but she's basically told, like, no, you know, don't don't bother. Um, so she uh, leaves. Uh, Bosco tries to say hello to her or say, like, oh, you're back, and kind of she just fobs, her, fobs him off. I do like Bosco's reaction, like, oh, hello to you too, and... Sort of Davis comes in and, um, you know, sort of defends her a little bit. I, like, the whole Davis thing, like, we kind of got a, you know, an inkling of it uh, at Doc's party. And, you know, there has been a bit. And I sort of mentioned that, you know, I like the way they're kind of a bit subtle with it, that these two potentially going to have a thing. But they, they definitely accelerate at full force this episode. Um, Too quickly. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's kind of, uh, yeah, we'll get to that when it happens. But anyway... Um, we're at the firehouse and Carlos and Holly are at the ambulance and DK and Billy and everyone are just sort of staring at them. And then we find out that, uh, the paramedics have been invited <laughs> back into the house about a week ago, but they've just been playing with Carlos. Um, and then this yellow car shows up blaring. God is a DJ by pink. Uh, doesn't that make you feel old when you remember when that song came out? Um, and this young looking guy gets out of the car, makes out with this girl. We hear Carlos saying like, oh, that's an eight and a half. I, I wouldn't agree. I think she's about a seven, if I'm being completely honest. Um, he kisses her and that's, uh, this new guy kisses, uh, the eight and a half, not Carlos. And, um, walks up to the firefighters, like Lieutenant Walsh round, you know, I'm, friends call me JD. What's his real name? John Davy or something like that? Or John David. John David. I was close. Um, and I do like the way Walsh kind of replies, like, you know, welcome to Judy or whatever he says, John David. Um, we kind of have a bit, of a bit there <laughs> where he, JD turns over his shoulder and stares at the cop house to give us that, you know, inkling that, ooh, something's not right. He knows about the cops. Um, but I do love his line when he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like this. I'm a bit slow in the morning. And they're like, it's 10 to 3. <laughs> so I do, I do like that. Uh, I'm just going to lump the crash in here and I'll come back and talk about this fire scene because I think we can just everything before the credits here. Um, yeah. And then after that, we have the accident that Munro's involved in, which is kind of going to be the, the real part of this episode that is the major part. And we sort of see cars swerving around Sasha, Sasha getting very angry, a bit of road rage. And then it all eventually leads into this massive crash to which uh, Munro smashes into the back of a car. And just before we get to the credits, Munro is passed out in her car. Um, the fire stuff, again, we've reiterated this plenty of times, but I love the fact that you ha- now have two people, Walsh and DK, who are not actors, who are real firefighters, who, with while they are attempting to bring in a firefighter here, we'll talk about JD in a second, they're basically the firefighters now. And, like, the fact that they can hold this on their own, and, like, they're just... I just think it's amazing that you can find two firefighters who are actually decent at acting and are essentially able to hold a whole section of this show by themselves. So I love the Walsh stuff here. Yeah. How he's kind of just this look on his face and kind of this real sort of, uh, you know, not even cockiness. They're just being... They're just teasing JD and Carlos and everyone because, you know, obviously um, Walsh is now the captain. So... Yeah, I, I don't know. I just love Walsh and DK and the fact that they're able to hold this. And and JD, uh, like, 
you got to say it, it's pointless, isn't it? He's here for two weeks and that's it. What are we meant to care? Like, I guess at this point, you kind of assume... <laughs> we don't really know him. Yeah, well, at this point, you're kind of assuming, like, oh, okay, he's the new Jimmy. Like, they're going to bring in a new firefighter. As much as, you know, JD kind of... I don't think this guy's a very good actor um, who plays JD. That is Joseph Sikora, for those playing at home. Um, he's He seems like he would have an interesting storyline if they had kept him in, so... I wouldn't probably complain as much if he had come in as a full-time character. Um, but it just, it just again, he's gone next episode. It just is so wasted. So there's nothing really for me to be able to come here and really speak positively about him because I guess what he's there to say about him. <laughs> Not a whole lot. There, there really isn't a whole lot to say about him. And, yeah... Maybe it probably would have been better if they had just, if they hadn't tried to stick in a new firefighter character and just gone with DK and Walsh. Let them have, let them hold the, let them hold the fire scenes, what few fire scenes we will ever get leading forward. Hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's true because, I mean, I don't think you could ever really put them as main build cast because the thing is, much as I'm talking up, uh, Walsh and DK in terms of their ability to hold a scene. Do we have enough from them to ever fully focus on for a whole episode? I don't really think so. Um, I mean, we could, we don't know. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that at the end of the day, yeah, you're right. Like, we're really going to get barely, barely anything from firefighters moving forward now. Uh, we get Stu Lottazee's next year, which kind of almost becomes the JD that could have been. There is at least one firefighter storyline that I remember next year that I think is okay because it actually held, held a bit of potential, um, and it was an interesting storyline. But uh, hmm. yeah, we'll get to that. But anyway, um, the the fact now I'm curious as to which the one that is. Oh, it's I don't even care about spoiling it. Really, it's season six. It's uh, the <laughs> one with the the actor guy who comes in kind of for a oh yes yeah like I think yes. that's kind of an interesting. Uh, I like that storyline that they try to do. Whether or not it works or not, like I, I'm just not a fan of Stu Lot of Z's. I just think he's just kind of bland and like, what's the point of him? So yeah, I don't know. Okay, I don't remember. I don't remember him too well. So yeah, that's probably. I'll give you my assessment of him when we get when we get to him. Just looking at Joseph Sikora's IMDb page, um, he was apparently in Lost. He was uh, the co-pilot. Uh, I don't know if that means he was the co-pilot of the plane that crashed or uh he was no that was in a lot later episode so anyway uh i'm sadly not in nip tuck though so we still haven't found somebody who's been in all three of our shows that we're covering at the moment so um nearly nearly uh but anyway so yes jd and the crash got that so after the uh credits come along um we've got munro apparently she's awake now i don't know why they have to go to the credits with her unconscious like oh you know plot twist is she okay but then straight away she's out uh she's yelling at everyone to call an ambulance she's a cop she sees a kid in the car and this is kind of one of these like over the top explosions that we don't need somehow this car explodes how i don't know um and I mean, I can imagine this is in the promo, like, let's show a car exploding to get people coming in. This is just, again, one of these pointless explosions of the week, and they kind of go for a bit of slow-mo here as well. And this is another one of these things where it's kind of like, it's very TV-slash-movie, like, how the hell do people, all these people survive this explosion? Sasha's right next to that car. Like, you know, Lieutenant Johnson was right next to a car. 
he died. I was going to say that. You know, like, I, I was going to say that. Explosions in TV shows and movies have selective uh, skills at killing people, don't they? Um, they really do. So, Davis and Sully are still in the car. They're studying. Um, Bosco and Yokus show up, and Yokus drops a move along ladies line. Wouldn't get around with that in 2018. <laughs> um, and basically, she's saying that she, you know, thinks what they're doing is good, starting for the LSATs. They get called away for the accidents. Um, Sasha gets dragged away. Uh, from the car as she's, uh, trying to, you know, help people herself. JD arrives with the fire crew and sort of Walsh is telling him what to do along the way. Uh, Carlos helps out Sasha and Sasha's basically like, don't help me, go help the boy. The fire open the car doors. Uh, Holly's questioning why the boy was in the front seat to the mother. And, um, yeah, Munro's... I'm, I'm kind of skimming over a lot of the rescue scene, as we often do, because, you know, there's not really a lot to do with the play-by-play. Basically, they get the people out of the car. Um, Yoga's... Yeah, and it's... Go ahead. And, and the rescue scene, I mean, and they kind of skim over the rescue scene, too. It's not as detailed as rescue scenes from episodes from seasons past have been. Yeah, it's... Exactly, and I kind of think... I don't know if it's really a complaint I have with the episode, but you're right. Like, it, it feels as though, because, you know, we've talked a lot about how some of these episodes, they focus a lot on the rescue scenes for a long period of time, and it really kind of adds tension and everything to it. But it's almost like they're just like, okay, quick, get this rescue out of the way, because we want to focus on other things more so. So, I don't know, like, if it's a good or a bad thing, I guess, kind of, I think moving forward, we don't really have these full episode event episodes, do we, where we have, like, this big rescue like we've had in the past. Um... Yeah, and I actually like those episodes that have several minutes or or a good bit of the episode focusing on the rescue scenes. Like, like I loved the demolition derby rescue because that was tense. I mean, I know you binned that episode, but you cannot de- oh. you cannot deny that that was very tense. I mean, my binning um, on that episode wasn't around the rescue stuff. Like, I agree with you. Like, yeah. I had my other reasons for binning that episode. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And I also loved the the rescue, for example, I loved the rescue scene in Cold Front because, of course, that's not something that, like, getting a getting a nearly frozen woman out of a huge block of ice, that's not something that's going to, like, boom and we're done. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And I think kind of this show shines a lot when it kind of comes to these ones and... Like, it really shows the act... Like, because I think kind of we talked a lot about, you know, in the last few weeks about acting ability and... um mm-hmm. I think kind of it, it gives these actors a chance to shine because, again, they're, they're, when you're believable enough in a role, you forget that you're watching a person pretending to be someone. And I think kind of through all of us watching Third Watch, and at least I know when I went to New York, for example, I assumed I'm going to see Kim and Bobby and, you know, Doc and on that on the street or Bosco. Because, like, you know, you just feel like these are real people and these are really NYPD people or FDMY people. So kind of when yep. you see these rescue scenes you believe it because they're able to portray that you think these are real people with the things they're saying and how they're reacting to everything so um and i think kind of a thing that diminishes this type of rescue and kind of what's happening is the fact that you just got like a needless explosion that kind of you know like at least in the episode where taylor and johnson die it's not necessarily a needless and it's explainable because you know there's nitro in the car you know that then this explosion is going to lead to more consequences because two people get killed because of this. Probably even more. As I said, that old couple were in that car. They're dead. Um, so 
I think kind of you can just tell that this is purely an explosion to put in a promo and to add some people in to get in to watch the episode because it has no consequences. You know, people survive this. Nope. Somehow, and like, cause I'm not saying, that, I mean, I know the kid will die, but the kid doesn't die because of the explosion. He dies because of the airbags. So, um. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. But uh, the one thing too <laughs> about this one that uh, it reminds me of, and I think we get a few of these in season six. I don't think it's even just this one, but the episode, and I think it's even Finney's first day, isn't it? Or something like that when he's got that woman in the car accident, um, and kind of she's pinned in and he has to go tell the kid. Oh. Yeah, like. Is that yeah, the, yeah, the doctor in the day? car accident with the crushed chest, and yes, that is his first day. That's like that's actually only a few weeks away if we kind of uh, analyze how our episodes are going at the moment. But um, yeah, yep, this it's episode three of season six. There you go. So we're only what like five weeks away from that. Six weeks away. Um, crazy. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, how are we at this point? Um, but yeah, I. It kind of gives me a reminding of that, and that actually makes it even more interesting, the fact that really there's only a five, six episode spread between those two episodes. Yes, I get it that there's, you know, a six month spread in, you know, between episodes airing or a five month spread. But, um, anyway, like, my point is, yeah, I agree. Like, this, it's kind of rushed through. So, uh, we get at the end of all this rescue scene, though, we've got Yokus and Bosco questioning a couple of witnesses who are essentially saying that, uh, Munro's at fault and she must have been drinking. Um, We've got Holly in the ambulance with the kid. Carlos is with the woman who's struggling. Uh, Munro is in the uh, car with Sully and Davis being taken back, and Davis is supporting uh, Munro. She doesn't know what happened. I do I do like the fact that this woman, when she's giving this the statement, is kind of like spelling out her number. And then what does she say? Like, you know, like, oh, and Yoko's like, oh, we probably won't call you. And she's like, good, I'm not one to get involved. <laughs> um, so, and Yoko's just reacting. Reminds me of that nosy... <laughs> It reminds me of that of that really nosy neighbor from Alone in a Crowd yeah. way back in season one. Yeah, I don't want to say nosy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely see it. Um, yeah, so kind of, you know, setting all that up, I guess, because uh, we're going to find out later on that these people are actually giving out fake numbers. So, uh, you know, there is that. So, I mean, are we, are we led to believe that these are planted witnesses then? Is that kind of what we're meant to believe? It's never real. It's never followed up on, so I think we're kind of meant to draw our own our own conclusions there. It's never it's never specified whether these witnesses were planted or not. But what do you think? Yeah, I think kind of reading into it, you would say they would be because for what reason do they have to say that Munro was at fault and that they give fake numbers? There's no reason for them to do that because clearly Munro wasn't at fault. Because how if these are genuine witnesses, why aren't they saying there was a car screaming around like going really fast? Because surely witnesses would have seen that car. Um, so to me, they're planted. But again, on the flip side of that, like if you look at that crowd when they're doing the interviews, like they're not the only two people that are there. So, you know, surely somebody else there in that crowd is going to say like, yeah, there were speeding cars. Unless these people doing this scam have got to the point where they've been able to hire like 50 onlookers to all say the same thing. So... You know, I don't know. I don't know yeah. the extent of their operation. So, what do you think? I didn't really think about that particular element of it, to be honest, because it was just such a, it was just such a small, such a small thing in the episode. Hmm. Yeah, it's not really the witnesses. I mean, yeah, it's not really something I've really thought of until kind of just then. I think I just kind of clicked in my head, like, hang on a minute, maybe these guys are you know plants or something like that. But yeah, one of these kind of weirdly good open ended ones that kind of you make your own mind up. Um, 
We're back at the hospital. Go back and watch it. Yeah, we're back at the hospital. A random nurse. I, I don't know who this woman is. This nurse who kind of sees Munro come in and is like, "Not you too, Munro." Um, I have no idea who that is. Um, Munro wants to check on the boy. Still, it's kind of you know, it's a bit. You know what this also reminds me of? Uh, is an officer involved when Davis shoots the guy accidentally? Um, yes. Yeah, and he keeps... Look at that, I got another episode correct without looking at it. Um, and yeah, it kind of reminds me of that, where he keeps wanting to go check on the, the people. So um, I think Officer Involved has done a lot um, better than this episode, though. Um, so we're back at the the scene. Uh, JD's kind of putting the car fire out after the explosion. Yokus uh, is questioning JD a little bit about it, and then she kind of, you know, has a double take. It's like, do I know you? And he's kind of like, no, I don't think you do. Um, I do love uh, Billy, who's kind of like, hey, PD, stop distracting my guy. And then what is it like? Bo- <laughs> Bosco's like, what? Distracting one of New York's bravest? Is that possible? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And we get JD noticing that uh, something's a little bit different. We get this kind of cool POV camera shot, which is like inside one of the lights as JD's sort of looking in it there. So um, that's kind of cool. Uh, Dr. Hickman, I remember a name this week, uh, is checking out Munro. Um, and, you know, sort of saying that she's going to be okay and sort of stitching her up. But then we get this, like, really weird sort of slow-mo montage scene. I don't even know how to explain it, because we kind of cut to the boy being worked on by the doctors, and it's we've got Sully watching them. We've got Davis in the room with Munro, who's in with eye line of Sully. And then just, just the way they kind of edit this, it's sort of like this weird slow-mo of these doctors working on this boy, and then it's kind of, we see this slow motion shot of like doctor's hands kind of almost like giving up, like he's dead. Sully kind of has this solemnly sad look on his face. He looks down at the ground, then turns around and sort of looks at Davis, kind of gives him a nod, which is well, not really a nod. It's just, it's kind of like a look on his face as if to say like, yeah, he dead. And then Davis kind of is like, oh shit. He turns around and looks at Monroe with a he dead look. And then, um, Monroe's just kind of like, no, uh, which I don't like. I hate that little way that she goes, no. Um, it's just a weird scene. I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah, the the mother's the mother's no scream is much as much more well believable. Yeah, Munro's is just a little bit like uh, I don't even know how you would describe it, but yeah, it's a little bit. Ugh, don't really like it. Uh, Not believable. No, yeah, that's that's a good way. Um. Coming back, Munro is getting a breath test from Swirsky because they just have to do it. IAB is on the way. They're questioning her. You know, what do you remember? Not much. Um, and they're going to try and go get a uh, statement from the driver, the, the lady. Um, Carlos comes in and gets Munro to sign a waiver to refuse treatment and find out that the woman's going to be there for a few days. And, um, we find out that, uh, the airbags, uh, what killed him. That's what Carlos says. Um, a couple of things with this, like Carlos, I mean, I guess kind of paramedics would get to a certain extent where they would know what kills people. They are, you know, medically trained and everything like that sort of stuff. Generally it's up to like crime investigators, isn't it? To determine what kills someone in an accident, right? Generally, yes. Yeah. I would imagine. The other question I have here. And it's hard to be able to ask this question without spoiling a big twist from next season. I'll try and put this as loosely as I can. They mentioned that IAB is going to come in. We get a few IAB references in the the coming weeks as well. Now, 
when it comes to Munro and IAB, can I just ask a question? Like, does any of this make sense leading into what we're going to get in season six? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is another thing that I think it's kind of like the FBI last at the end of last season that. To me, they've come into season five, boom, let's put a plot twist that Cruz is working with the FBI, Noble was working with the FBI to try and tie up some loose ends. To me, next season, they've gone in and said like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we do this certain plot twist? Let's give it to this character without actually realizing that they've kind of alluded to certain aspects in the previous season and that don't make sense. So, yeah. You see what I'm trying to ask here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get, I, I definitely know what you're trying to ask me. Yeah, and we can and we can revisit that when we get to uh, episode ten of season six. Is that episode ten? Oh wow, I thought that was a lot sooner than that. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. We will have to bookmark this note moment and, and remember <clears throat> to come back to that and mention that uh, next season. Um, so JD, meanwhile, uh, he's cleaning up the firehouse and he wants to go across the street and talk to uh, Yokus. Uh, essentially, uh, Walsh, meanwhile, does a big reveal here about JD that, uh, he used to be a cop. Do, 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 plot twist. Um, so he's like, take a radio, go across the street if you're doing that. Uh, Sally is trying to question the driver who's just in hysteric tears, so he's gonna come back the next day. We have a guy run in. His name's Fryer. He is the husband of the wife and the father of the kid. And, uh, they sort of, your first, Excuse me, inkling that something might be a little bit, uh, you know, wrong here. They couldn't find any info on her. Yeah, oh, well, they basically say, like, well, how did he get called? Like, the Bosco and that must have called him because the hospital didn't call him. So, yeah, so there is that. Um, he then is in the room crying with his wife. Munro mm-hmm. walks out and wants to see them, but uh, they all take her away and wheel her off. Um, Bosco, uh, and Yokus are back at the precinct. They find out that the kid died. JD's there in a weird little FDMY hat, and he's sort of telling Yokus and Bosco that, uh, the car had no brake lights and he just wants to help out. And we get a big confrontation here. We see Cruz. Cruz sees JD and they have a big fight, and, uh, she sort of yells at him and calls him JD Heartless of what is it, the 51 in the Bronx? You know the name, the rat, yeah. bitch of the Bronx. Um, yeah, JD Heartless, bitch of the Bronx, yeah. Apparently ratted out her whole crew, he got off away. Um, so, yeah, and I, I do love the way that kind of Yo- uh, Cruz is like screaming and yelling and then sort of points at Bosco and Yokus and is like, oh, and he's over here with these two acting all buddy buddy. And uh, we get, you know, a great moment between Cruz and Yokus. And again, no fucks given Yokus. Don't put your hand in my <laughs> face again. It's like, oh, what? Oh, what? You want to see some more what? <laughs> oh man is it (laughs) honestly honestly i would have loved to have seen them actually square off yeah and i would have if nothing else it would have been comical to watch it's it's yeah i i reckon i look and i honestly think i'd give yokus a bit of an edge in that fight um because i think yokus is you know she's bigger than cruz she's a little bit more muscular than cruz and I think that Yokus would be a smarter fighter than Cruz. I think Cruz would just be sort of one of these real aggressive, like, just bull out of the gate, kind of just throwing the punches and all that sort of stuff type of fighter. Whereas, you know, I think Yokus would have a bit of a tactical edge in terms of just thinking a little bit more about it. So, um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I do, I do like that little moment. 
Um, yeah, because I mean, it's not about how aggressive how aggressive you can be necessarily. I mean, yeah, that helps, but yeah, you got to be smart too. It's funny because you know Mallory's sort of been in the room when some of these episodes have been on, and again, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but she's only seen a few of these episodes and. Yeah, she doesn't like Cruise. And, uh, the, the funny thing is about that <laughs> is that she's not even watching it from when Cruise gets brought in when you're really meant to hate Cruise. Cause like, I feel like kind of this season was meant to redeem Cruise a little bit. I feel these last few episodes with Cruise, like they kind of make her into a bit of an enemy, but like they don't, it's, it's, Cruise is weird in this last few episodes of, of season five, if you kind of analyze it, because they spend a large portion really kind of making her like an enemy and kind of like, She's a rival cop that, you know, shouldn't... We don't want her to win. We want Yokus and Bosco to win. But again, like, she's not necessarily doing anything wrong. She's just kind of working on her own and not really playing by the book. But that's just Cruz. But then by the end of the season, they kind of, again, make her sympathetic. And then really season six, it's all about sympathizing her with her again. So she has a weird part of her story arc, I feel, at the end of season five, just Cruz. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, she doesn't want the rat to come near her again at the precinct, so that's kind of her last moment there. Um, Sasha gets taken home. Davis is there. Uh, we find out that her sister is not there taking uh, her kid to her mother's. They're going to the zoo the next day. Um, she sort of says that I killed someone. Davis says it was an accident. I should mention Davis is there with her. I think I said that anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And sort of she claims that, she yeah, there are no such thing as accidents. She breaks down crying. Davis calls up Davis and... Uh, Davis calls up Davis. Davis calls up Sully, who's waiting outside in the car. Um, and it all basically comes down to the fact that Davis is going to stay the night. He's going to stay with Sasha. Uh, of course, the LSATs are in the morning, 8 a.m. And Davis is like, yep, I'll be there. Uh, the next morning, we see Sasha weirdly sitting on a window looking out of it. Davis wakes up, slept on the couch. Uh, he's running late. He's only got 45 minutes to get to his test and drop by home and get changed. Um, I do kind of like this moment where, like, you know, clearly Sasha's emotional and, you know, wants someone to talk to. And, you know, kind of like when you, you're trying to help a friend, but you can't really do much and you're sort of trying to get away from it, but they just keep saying things where you're like, shit, I really need to stay here. Like, this person isn't okay. Um, yeah, this is one of these awkward moments because Davis has said like about Rock five times, like I need to go, I need to go. Um, so yeah, but again, you, you still feel sorry for Sasha, don't you? Yeah, I mean, because it's a, it's a, I mean, she's just a, to put it bluntly, I mean, she and and it's understandable, she's a wreck right now. Mm. Um, and and Davis is. Like like I said a, a a minute ago, I mean he's kind of in between a the rock and a hard place, you know, because yeah, he's, wants I, to console her, but oh, go on. No no no, you finish. I was gonna okay, I was gonna say he wants to console her, but yeah, he knows he has to go take the the LSAT. I yeah. love that. the LSAT. L S A T L S A T whatever yep. you know what I'm yeah, talking about the L S A T I'm Australian yeah, I try to abbreviate everything come on I mean I'm abbreviating an abbreviation so come on Jesus Christ um yeah it's I do kind of like that line when he's like I really don't know what to say and like this the thing that I have a problem with this whole situation is um like as we said I feel like it's kind of rushed what they do with this Davis and Munro stuff all of a sudden because 
we really don't get a huge payoff, I feel, with Davis and Munro till... And they, it's kind of very back and forth next season as well. And the difference between something like this and what they've done with Kim and Jimmy is that... I'm not saying that Davis and Sasha don't have chemistry. Well, or am I? Like, there's, there's something there. No, but they, they do. They do, but it's not like... I feel when you're doing a will-they-won't-they they scenario between characters, there needs to be that almost heavy tension of lust and chemistry to the point where you just want to watch these two people rip each other's clothes off. You know, you had it with Jimmy and, and Kim. You had it with Bob, Bobby and Kim. You know, you kind of, you had it, you had these moments where it kind of happened. And even if you look at, say, like, the way they set up Taylor and Bobby or even Taylor and Davis, like, there are these initial moments where, particularly with Taylor and Bobby, you're kind of like, this is something that I didn't know I wanted to happen, but I'm kind of glad we did get a bit of that. And same with Davis and Taylor. Like, both of them are things where you're like, I didn't know I wanted this, but yeah, I'm kind of glad that it's happening. With this, I kind of feel like it's there, but it's like, it's not to the extent where it's like, Davis should be sitting in this LSAT test being completely distracted and not wanting to do it. Like, this is another one of those things where I think they needed to build it up more if you're going to have this moment of Davis struggling in his test, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, I just, I just don't buy into it as much, and I'm not anti-Davis and, and Sasha. I just think it's just it's done in a weird way that doesn't. At this point, I'm not completely sold because again, Sasha just slept with Doc like three episodes ago. So you know, yeah, and it's not really given time to develop like say kim and jimmy were for example because i mean as we very well know we are nearing the end of this show yeah and it's not really a lot of time to develop these two as far as you know making them a couple is concerned yeah and like it's kind of like i feel like i'm contradicting what i said a few weeks ago where i said like i like the fact that there's kind of like slow subtle moments between them but, like, the thing with slow, subtle moments is you, you, it's like a fire, you know, there's a spark, then there's an ember, and then it kind of builds up slowly before you kind of get a big blaze. And, like, I feel like they've gone from spark to how big appropriate. blaze. Yeah, like, it's just kind of, that's how I feel like they've done with this. Um, because it's just like, it's like, it's like, it's like boom, it's in your face. Like, he's Davis, <clears> like, he's really into her. Um, so, yeah, like, I just feel we could have had some more with this to kind of develop it. But again, we're getting to the end of the show. Again, I mean, I don't know at this point had had it been renewed for season six was it public knowledge or again no it had, so I mean for no. a lot of people this could have been the final season so yeah um so yeah anyway but we've 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 got this we're talking about it so anyway um we're back at the firehouse uh JD Rat has been written on the wall um I do like the way Walter's like if you've got enemies. It's kind of like, well, what what does that mean? Like, everyone's probably got enemies at some point. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. um, there's that. Um, Sully is sitting in the LSAT test, looking around for Davis. Davis shows up. He's right there and uh, sits down and kind of they get told off, <laughs> um, you know, when they're like, uh, you know, no talking. Um, Fred and Yokus are uh, having a bit of a chat. Uh, Yokus is talking about Cruz. Fred doesn't want to talk about it. Fred starts saying about some guy being fired. And then Yokus basically ignores Fred because she sees on the TV report that there's a lawyer saying that Munro is going to be charged. Uh, Emily says something. <laughs> Yokus goes off at Emily. And once again, to show the development of Emily and how she's so little, not that annoying, because again, we barely see her this season, is the fact that when Yokus yells at her, 
Emily just basically goes, whatever. <laughs> and then just kind of, you know, walks on. Whereas, like, season four yeah. Emily would be... <laughs> so... You know, I, I kind of figured that would annoy you, too, with when she was just like, whatever. That, to me, is I a teenager that response. That you. is a response that teenagers give. That is a teenager response. Like, come on. We've all given that response to our parents if they've yelled at us. Like, eh, whatever. Like, yeah. You, know, you, you just... <laughs> I have. Yeah. You just, you just don't care. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and then kind of, uh, Yokus rings up somebody like, you're watching, you know, turn on New York One just when you think it couldn't get any worse. And then Fred is kind of like, you know, you can say that again. And then they walk out. So, uh, don't even get me started on this whole thing. We've talked about it already. Just, we don't, Fred is just, we're not liking Fred anymore. I'm sorry. Like, Fred's not redeemable. Okay, I was, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, are you are you talking about Fred, or is this another one of your rant about ju- one, another one of your rants about journalists? No, no. There's there's nothing wrong here about the journalists. They're reporting the news. Like they're not the ones suing Sasha. Like they're simply reporting. A, that's a news story. Like they're you know they're not going off at the the journos. Um, I mean, you can kind of see, I guess, Fred's point in a way here, just a little bit, because obviously Yogis is just completely tuned out of the conversation, ignored it, and gone into work mode. But at the same time, it's like, Fred, come on, like, you know, you've, you've been a dick about this now, like, you've just, ugh, it's recycling itself, get over it, like, you know, what? why, if, if you're really going to do what you're about to do, why didn't you do this ages ago, why are you only doing it now? The longer you stay with something like this, the worse it gets. Hey, I'm saying that from personal experience. Anyway, moving on. Um, we get a really random montage at this point. Um, you know, it's been a while since I've... I don't even think I've really mentioned about a bad montage, have I? Usually when I'm talking about montages, I'm like, hey, this one's surprisingly good. This one's actually not bad. This one's a bad one. Yeah. I don't like this one. Um, we've got Sad Munro. We've got JD scrubbing the graffiti off. Um, we've got Munro taking a taxi to church before she changes her mind um, and then goes off in the other direction. Uh, Davis staring into the distance, not doing his test. And then Munro staring out a window at kids down the bottom of the street. So... Uh, Yep, there we go. Cool. That's a montage. Uh, Swirsky is, uh, going off at Yokus here. He's basically saying, you know, you and Cruz, no more battles. And, you know, he's going to say the same thing to Cruz. Sully and Davis show up. Davis saying that he struggled. He doesn't know how he went. Um, so, yep. This whole LSAT thing, I've, I've said it before. It's a pointless storyline. It doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, I was wrong. I think we do get a result in a few weeks, don't we? But, I mean, it just... I don't know. I just feel like it's a wasted storyline, unless you're going to have Davis or Sully all of a sudden take the switch to go back to law school. I'm not a fan of it. Um, yeah. So they're, they're talking about the accident again and kind of, you know, the fact that Munro has got legal action against her. And they're all essentially saying, like, something about this isn't right. You know, something is not right. So uh, they're saying that well, they'll, they'll recheck with the witnesses because the witnesses all said that they... Um, saw no cars, so they're going to question them again. We have a confrontation between JD and Cruz out the front. JD yelling at Cruz about the graffiti. Um, and I love this fight. Uh, it's so Yeah, I do too. Like a big old all in all firefighters versus cops. And probably my favorite, like there's two bits I love about this. They kind of have a random little scene at the end when everyone gets broken up where you see Carlos being like dragged away from some random cop. I love that. And then, um, you had the Swirsky versus Walsh moment, like where Walsh is like, you know, hey Lou, you know, get your guys away from mine, and he's kind of like, you know, will you tell mine to uh, get a get away as well? 
Uh, so they kind of lost like that little moment. And then probably the whole yeah. best bit about this whole situation though is when we cut back into the precinct and, uh, Lieutenant, uh, Swirsky's just screaming at Cruz and he's just like, shut up! Shut up! You never listen! For once in your life, listen! And then you get, um, <laughs> Yokus just turning I love away. That man. I love that man. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was going to, I was going to use, I was going to use that as my, as my quote. Swirsky yelling at Cruz Mm -hmm. and how I was going to do it was I was going to wait for okay this completely spoils it but not really because um, it's already happened but I was going to wait for you to say you know like you know, like your usual, my name is Ben. And I was going to go, shut up. <laughs> and then, and then you, and then you would have gone and then you probably would have gone on. And then I would have come back in with all you do is talk. Now <laughs> you need to listen. <laughs> I, I would have done, I was going to do that, but then I thought, nah, that'll probably catch him off guard. He'll wonder what the fuck's wrong with me. Yeah, I would have hung up on you, and I'm like, well, fuck you then. Um, <laughs> Mallory's watching this with me, and she's laughing at this point too, so that's good Good stuff for the future there. Um, yeah. Sally's calling the witnesses. They're, both numbers are fake. Uh, they look into the husband's driving record and find out that he's had six insurance claims for rear-ending. Now, I've got to say, does what insurance company is he with? Because, you know, after about three or four of these, surely they've got to start <laughs> investigating. How they let it get to six? <laughs> Maybe he's switched. Maybe. But even then, like I like I don't know how it is in America, but I'm pretty sure here, like, you've got like records, like they're all kind of connected. So, you know, it's kinda of like if you apply for a loan yeah, to I one think... bank, you can't just go to another bank if one bank says no and go to the other and they say yes, because it's like it's kept on record that you've tried to apply for a loan, so it affects your credit score. So um Yeah. I'm pretty sure all the insurance ones are connected too, but anyway. Um, yeah, here in the US they are too. Yeah, pretty interesting. Well so yeah, they're, they're going to be questioning the husbands. It's all starting to fall together a little bit here about what's really happened. JD is in the, uh, precinct and is, uh, the, sorry, the precinct, the firehouse explaining what happened. And yeah, basically we find out that he was working with Cruz and then he saw that, uh, a guy called Johnny was, uh, pocketing money. Now I do love the fact that they get here and they're sort of saying like Cruz and her crew were pocketing money. So somebody then has to drop the line. Cruz was pocketing money, so then he has to say, like, weirdly she wasn't, but all six of the guys were. So I think this is a point where, take note, people, because people who call Cruz a dirty cop, like, they go out of their way to show that Cruz isn't dirty, she just is associated with dirty people. So I mean, like, she, I, she does a lot of things, but she would ne- I don't think she'd pocket, yeah, she wouldn't pocket drug money. Yeah, again, like, at the end of the day, what we're trying to, or, or I've always tried to say with Cruz is that, like, She's doing everything she does that is technically like the wrong thing is always for the, you know, good reasons. And this is, I think, an important moment where they, like, they say, like, yeah, Cruz isn't pocketing any money. Because, like, at this point, if all of a sudden they imply that Cruz is pocketing money, there's no redeeming qualities about it. Like, you're not meant to root for a dirty cop, are you? So, um, yeah. So I think kind of like that's an important line that they say. Um, because, you know, it's kind of what we had with Noble, isn't it? When he did his book, how kind of Cruz was like, I knew a lot of those guys, you know, that you ratted out and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah. So, uh, basically, yeah, we find out this Johnny guy got so depressed, he killed himself. Uh, and then, you know, they all sort of laugh and they're just all like, you know, you should stay away from Cruz. Uh, and this is kind of one of these scenes where, uh, I, I definitely think that, uh, Joseph Sakura, not the greatest actor. <laughs> I think kind of, you know, he, he's not like 
the worst, but he's also not the best. So, and I do like in this scene when they're kind of panning around the firehouse, when they show the amount of people who are in this firehouse all of a sudden, including random, like, men and women who I've never seen before in my life. So, like, what is this, like, a, a special luncheon for people in the area? Like, it just kind of seems Maybe. like that you, you have weird, uh, you know, new actors <clears throat> in here for some reason. Um... Yokos and Bosco, meanwhile, are interviewing the injured woman needing a statement. Uh, the mother, Sally and Davis, are questioning the husband, and kind of it's a, a little back and forth between them, sort of revealing information. And the, the mother essentially gives up all the information. She can't keep it in anymore. Um, she's kept put the kid next to her in the car because she thought it would be safer next to uh, her because, you know, obviously they knew that she was going to get rear-ended. And uh, we find out that they owe money to somebody and that they've got an insurance injuster who helps organise them to get rear-ended in order to get insurance payouts so that they can pay money back. And, um, you know, as always is the case of these things. Like, oh, you know, people weren't meant to drive so fast. This was never meant to happen. It it reminds me of the the episode with the money truck, kind of, where it was like, this wasn't meant to happen. Nobody was meant to die. Like, this is kind of what always happens with these things, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, is that me or is that a crime... Or is that a crime drama cliche? Oh, yeah. it wasn't meant to happen like this. I didn't mean for anybody to die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's, 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 you crazy. know, it is definitely a, like, a cliche. What the fuck did you think would happen? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but that's kind of, we've gotten to the bottom of it. And then we have this scene and... Uh, I'm not even going to, you know, I'm not a huge fan of this scene, as you can probably see why, but uh, sort of we've got... Yeah, I knew you wouldn't be. <laughs> Davis and Munro having a conversation, and Munro essentially saying, you know, to, to Ty, like, do you believe in God? And she kind of goes through this, uh, you know, speech where she's saying that she's always done the good thing, and then, you know, like, last few weeks she's done a few bad things, like helping Alinardo get killed, and then the doc thing, and feeling like she's being punished by God, and then she finds out that uh, this crash was all a set-up, you know, and uh, she's basically like, you know, God is watching, he's not happy about it. So, um, look, I'm not really going to comment on this. It's not my place. I've said it before. I'm not going to say it again. Darvel, did you really want to talk about this? I guess kind of you would, you know, you'd have a different way of looking at this scene. Well, strangely enough, you know, even though I do consider myself to be a religious person, I don't really think it was 100% necessary for this scene to be in this episode. I mean, yeah, it showed the emotional toll that it was having on Sasha. Props to Nia Long for selling it so well. But I don't think it was 100% necessary to be in there. Mm, yeah, I agree. And look, look again, I'm not... You're right, Nia Long sells this very well. Nia Long does this scene great. Um, and, you know, we've seen that Nia Long... Uh, sorry, Sasha's a little bit religious, like we had that in the Call for Help, kind of like, you know, when she's talking about God and that. And, like, look, I, I, I always hate to be the person who's kind of very much like, oh, I don't like this scene because it's around Jesus and God. And there's, a, there's again, as I kind of talked about, uh, you know, in Demolition Derby and other things, there's a time and place, like, there's a way of doing it where it doesn't become preachy in my eyes, and this becomes preachy. So that's my way of looking at this. How would you have? How would you have done it? I just don't have this scene. I don't think this scene is necessary. I just okay. What about I, demolition derby? Oh, I'm not getting into that again. <laughs> Download the episode <laughs> to listen to. That. If you're gonna have this scene, maybe, or you're gonna have sort of a storyline around this, 
back when she says, like, I'm going to go see my pastor, like, at the church, like, have her talking to a priest, maybe, or something like that. Like, I don't know, like, I feel like she needs guidance in this moment. And, like, to me, it all, all this comes across is, is that, like, yeah, we've got a scene between her and Davis bonding to kind of further this, you know, chemistry between the two of them. But, I don't know, like, I feel like this is a moment where Sasha needs some healing. Because, let's be honest, like, this storyline goes away from memory, doesn't it? Like, she's just going to come back and it's kind of almost forgotten about. So, yeah, have, have some closure. Have her talking to a priest. Like, Demolition Derby. Don't, not a fan of it, but, like, in terms of the religious elements to it. And, like, but the, the moment with Kim at the end, like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I, I wasn't, I sort of mentioned that I wasn't a fan of that, but, like, at the end of the day, she gets some closure, doesn't she? And we kind of get a bit of yes. a closure for our paramedics <laughs> who obviously deal with this tragedy every day. Like, 911 did this, uh, you know, in their first season with, uh, the main firefighter dude who kind of would always go see his priest because he was, like, living with a lot of guilt over kind of a, something that happened in his past. So, they, yeah. they balance that well. And I kind of think, like, I know in Nip Tuck there was an episode where I kind of complained a lot because it was religious. But, like, there's a theme here, people. But I think that they at least go out of their way sometimes when you have these characters talking to priests or religious figures that, okay, I'm not a fan of, but they at least giving some closure or showing an element to it where they're trying to deal with it in a different way, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and I'll I'll be I'll be honest. I don't know if I told you this, but back before I joined the podcast, I actually remember I do remember listening to the Demolition Derby episode that you and Brandy did. And when you mentioned that when you said to Brandy, you know, I don't know how you feel about it, but I am not a religious person. <laughs> I was <laughs> immediately when when I heard that when I heard that I was like Okay, does that mean him and I are going to have shouting matches during the podcast? No, I like I I I I will speak my mind when it comes to these episodes which I come across as being preachy, but I respect everyone's beliefs. I mean, yeah. You know, Mallory and I know her, that. Ma- Mallory's family are very religious and, you know, I have no- nothing but respect for people what they believe in just because I don't agree in it. Agree with it yeah. doesn't mean that I can't respect it and it's kind of I'm the type of person who I have, you know, very strong opinions about things. I whinge, I bitch, I moan, I kind of go on. It's clearly people listen to this will do. And yeah. I guess on this episode, sometimes I will go out of the way to say things and go down a path where people may be offended with what I say. But at the end of the day, just because that's me going on about something, and yes, I'm calling people dickheads and idiots for liking things, a lot of that comes down to me trying to be funny. Clearly it's not working. Um, <laughs> I don't think you're a dickhead or an idiot if you don't like something. Or you like something right. that is I don't like, again, except for Snowblind, because you really are an idiot if you like that episode. Uh, oh, <laughs> see, there God. There we go again. See, I, cannot, like- <laughs> I cannot wait. I cannot wait for you to get to that episode with Mallory and to get her point of view on it. In all seriousness, though, like, even if you like Snowblind, like, you are, you are entitled to your own opinion, and I respect your opinion, even if I think it's wrong. So... Yeah. Unless yep. you have a really <clears throat> stupid opinion like it's okay to break the law. I don't know. I'm digging myself a hole again here, Double. Let's move on to the end of the episode. <laughs> that- I, <laughs> such a redeeming thing to say that I dig it all up. This is the story of my life. Yokus talks to JD. Uh, I, I love the bit here where, like, she goes to talk to him. And, and again, Walsh is like, can I help you, Yokus? Like, take it easy. You know, Billy, I'm just here I'm to talk. I'm not Cruz. Yeah, I'm not Cruz. <laughs> You know what would have been great in this scene, though? Like, how cool would it have been if that was DK? Because like, I don't think Yokus and DK ever have a scene together. But, like, you know... Like, no. 
that would have been a cool moment. But obviously Walsh is the uh, the captain. Um, and yeah, kind of she just says to JD that like you know Cruz has less fans in the department probably than you, and you're all right in my book. Again, this is just a quick little complaint about this. Is that like here we are in this very first episode where they're, they're trying to build this JD character. And, like, there's some good stuff here. Like, he was a former cop. He's got this running with Cruz. We've got kind of them setting up something here with Yokus that, like, you know, maybe there'd be a bit of a cool, like, friendship between a firefighter and a cop because we never really had that with Jimmy. Like, there's just elements no. here that's kind of cool. They're setting some groundwork here, which is they can explore. But, and hey, guess what? Worked. We're going to kick this guy out of the show next episode. So, like, what's the point? <laughs> Pointless! May, may, see, there might be a simple case that, um, you know, Joseph Sikora just wasn't meant to sign on, but maybe he didn't, or maybe again, like, it wasn't 100% sure the show was coming back, so he kind of wanted to keep his options open. I don't know. There could yeah. simply be a casting thing around this that maybe they wanted him to, but he couldn't. That could be a simple case of what it is about. But, look, just... Yeah. It, there's so much potential here, but it's just... It's, it's pointless. So, eh. Anyway... Uh, and then it ends with Munro showing up to the hospital and hugging the mother. That's the end of this episode. So, yeah, purgatory. Uh, Davel, what are you doing with this episode? And Munro never finds out the whole scam behind this. Behind I think this she thing. does. No, I think she does because we have that scene, like, when she's talking to Ty about, like, God and being punished. She does say in that scene, like, oh, and you're telling me it was all a setup. So she does say that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, to answer your question, we. Uh, well, I'm not going to say we because I obviously cannot speak for you, but I am renting this one. Well, you are speaking for me as well because I'm renting it too. Um, I was very much close to bidding this, but I kind of just thought about it. And I'm like, look, looking at the episodes I've binned, you, you know, this you can watch this one's above those. I don't think this falls into the categories of the episodes that I've binned. So I rented it, but I will say on that, this is the lowest rent I've given. Uh, I have this at 101st out of 107, and of course that includes next week's episode. So, um, yeah, this is the lowest rent. So below this is the first bin, collateral, collateral damage part. And this is smack bang between the two collateral damages. It is just ahead of collateral damage part one and just below collateral damage part two. So, there. Wow, you've set a record. A new record. What's that? Your lowest rent. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> There's another record I didn't know about there. Anyway, uh, next week, and I can't believe I'm about to say this, Darvell and I are going to be spanking the monkey. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Are you looking forward to spanking the monkey, Darvell? I'm looking forward to spanking the monkey. <laughs> oh, man. Two guys about ready to do that. That'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Circle jerk, apparently. No, it's... Uh, we get... Bit around Mikey, bit around, uh, you know, setting up some more of the drug stuff, the dolphins and the, the monkeys. Uh, we've got JD apparently being a dick, which I'll argue, is he really that bad? What happens? Uh, Henry Winkler comes into the show for the first time. Do we like this storyline or not? We'll get to that. Um, and I guess kind of, it's an important episode for what happens at the very end because that's going to set itself mm-hmm. up for, I guess, the final four or five episodes. And for the arrival of Donald Mann. Yeah, give us a bit of Gene Simmons connection. So, um, ah, want to see Donald Mann all night and talk about him every day. <laughs> um, so what that the hell are you up. singing? It's a Kiss song. 
Come on, Gene Simmons, oh. kiss. Jesus. I know who Gene Simmons is. I've just never heard any of their music. You've never heard I Want to Rock and Roll All Night and Party Every Day. That's like their most famous song. Come on. That's like one of these songs they always play at like weddings and dances and just anything. You would have heard that song, Darbell. Please look that up. I'll have to get... Recording. Okay. Yeah, I'll, you... I'll give it a listen. Uh, and, then I'll, you... and then I'll... You will. And what about I was made for love? I was made for loving you, baby. You were made for loving me. You would have heard that song too. Like, come on. I will, I'm ashamed if you haven't heard those songs, Darbell. Anyway, uh, we'll be back next week. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe. All the relevant channels. And you know what to do. My name is Ben. And I want a cheeseburger. My name is Darvell, And, well, you're going to have to go hungry there, pal. See you next week, guys. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.